while I was gone, and uh, he uh, thankful for great men of God that can uh, fill this pulpit and, and preach the anointed word of God. Amen. T.O.P., you are blessed with great preachers and great men of God. Amen. If you'll grab your Bibles and turn with me. To, it's great having Nick with us again today. God bless you, Brother Nick. What have we been talking about for the last few services? Holiness. And we're going to kind of follow that vein again today. And we're going to get right into the word of the Lord. And then uh, got a lot to say in a short time to get there. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 16. I'll be reading from the, new key, or from the King James Version. About ready to give the sound guys a heart attack. Wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind. Be sober in hope to the end. For the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye Holy, for I am holy. Lord, we love you and we thank you today, God. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this building. Lord, we thank you for your visitation this morning. God, I thank you for every miracle and every touch that you've did today, God. I ask you, Lord, one more time, God, to anoint our minds, our hearts, our ears, and our spirit. God, let us hear, thus saith the Lord. Help us, Lord, retain what you want us to retain. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you today in a, uh, hopefully a, f a few minutes. Uh, God's high call to holiness. Not man's call, not pastor's call, but God's call to holiness. The priority of holiness. There is a great responsibility to teach and to preach and to talk about holiness in our times, in our generation. Because there needs to be a high priority. It is imperative that we hear God's high calling to holiness. In the midst of everything that's going on in our generation, in our world today... That God is looking for a church that is separate. God is looking for a church that's holy, that's called out unto Him. Amen? Our culture is changing so dramatically every day. We can get punch drunk. Everybody know what that means? We could get punch drunk, or you've been listening, you've been, you've been drinking that punch again, or you've been listening to that stuff again, and it's starting to have an effect on you. We can get punch drunk on everything that's going on in our society today, but it's saying you don't need to hold that standard. You don't need to do that no more. It's not about this. That's legalism. That's this. That's that. Well, I, we got to be careful that we don't get punch drunk on everything that's happening out there. We've got to have have a clear understanding of the scriptures in a relationship above all above everything else relationship with God through prayer I cannot tell you that if you have a relationship with God and you are connecting with God and you are you are uh, reading your word and you are praying and you have that relationship living a holy separated life will not be hard 
Because as we said last week, you are separating yourself from something to something. We're separating ourselves from the world to God. Amen? The story is told of an elderly woman who was pulled over by a state trooper on the interstate. When the trooper got to her car, he told the lady that she was going to, he was going to give her a ticket. She wondered why he would be giving her a ticket because she was so careful about the posted speed limit signs. He told her that there were speed limit signs on the interstate and that she was only driving 20 miles an hour. And she was too slow and she had to drive at least 45 miles an hour on the interstate. She assured him that she had just, she had just noticed the sign that said 20 on it. And he kindly told her, he said, ma'am, that is the interstate you're on. That is not. That is just simply a road number. He was explaining to her uh, that he had noticed the lady that was sitting next to her in the car was paralyzed in the passenger seat. Her hand seemed glued to the dashboard. Her eyes were wide with fright and had a twisted look on her face. And the trooper began to be concerned for her health, asked the driver if the lady needed medical attention. The driver replied back to him and said that obviously she's in this state because of my great driving habits. The driver said, I now know what's wrong with her. She's been that way for a little while now. I know what's wrong with her. And the cop said, what is that, ma'am? She said, I just turned off State Highway 121 to get on the on to Interstate 20. So she was on Interstate 20. Again, man, y'all are rough. She got on 20. She was going 20 miles an hour. She just got off Interstate 121. So she's going 100 and 21 miles an hour. Bless the, her passenger, amen. But the reason I said that whole story was to tell you that's how quickly our world is changing. That's how quickly our world is changing before our eyes. However, regardless how, how fast this world changes, how fast fashion changes, how fast whatever this world is doing, there are some things that never change. And that is God's word. And that is God's standards. They never change. And what he called in the first century, he is still calling for in the 21st century. Some holiness quotes. Tyron Edwards said, a holy life is not gloomy or solitary life. But a, regu a life regulated by divine truth and faithful Christian duty. It's living above the world while you're in the world. I don't want to live like the world, Brother Arnell. I want to live above the world. I don't want to live like everybody else. I want to live what God is saying to live. I'd rather live too holy and make it to heaven and not be holy enough and not make it to heaven. I would rather have a great relationship with God to where He is everything. My breath, my heartbeat, everything with me is about God than anything else because I, as I said last week, I'm here to please Him because I want to see Him. I want to see Jesus. Anybody else with me today that wants to see Jesus? Another quote is saying like this, the world and the cross do not get along well together. Oh, how true do we know that? The world and the cross 
do not get along together. If you are wearing the cross of Jesus, there are some places that cross will not go. There are some places, there are some doors that that cross will not enter into. The cross in the world will never get along. They're opposing each other all the time. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I'm carrying my cross. I want to make sure I'm carrying the cross of Christ. Wherever I go, I want to make sure, God, do you want me to go here? God, if I'm somewhere and something inside of me says, you got to get up and you got to get out of here now what do you think I'm going to do we need to have enough relationship with God when the Holy Ghost speaks like that that we are up and we are gone why because our cross in the world will never get along amen comfort and holiness do not share the same room Holiness, being a holy God, a holy Christian, living for a holy God, is uncomfortable sometimes. Comfort and holiness do not share the same room. I'd rather be holy than comfort. I'd rather be close to God than comfortable. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. I want to be a man of God, a woman of God. I want you to be a church that's on fire for the ever-loving, living God who is able to do abundantly above and beyond all that we think or ask. But we want what we feel here. We won't keep it. We don't stay holy. We want to see the miracles. We want to see the power of God. But as I said last week, in order to have that power, we've got to be holy. Amen? And I'm not talking about a group of standards or rules. I'm talking about living my life to please God and God alone. Nobody else. I'm talking about I am holy because He is holy. He says live this way. I'm going to live this way. He says do this. I'm going to do that. Why? Because I want to please Him and I want to see Him. Holy life is a voice. It speaks when the tongue is silent. And it is either a constant attraction or a perpetual reproof. How many of you have ever been reproved by the Holy Ghost? How many of you ever been checked by the Holy Ghost? You've been somewhere or you want to put something on and you looked in the mirror. Ladies, let me just tell you this. If you got to go down and ask your husband if this is too tight, it's too tight. Guys, if you got to go ask your wife if it's too tight, it's too tight. Amen. I am sick and tired of all the pressure that people have been putting on the women to live holy and live righteous. Why men go out with shirts so tight that you see every muscle they got in their body. I've come to tell you, I believe that's unholy. I believe that's unrighteous. Why? Because we don't want to show everything we've got. Amen. If it's too tight, it's too tight. And if it's too loose to where it keeps hanging down, you're, never mind. But you get the point. Put a belt on or go to Goodwill and buy a new pair of pants. Oh, I'm stepping on some toes today. But I want my life to speak about something that is different than this world. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want to act 
act like the world. I don't want to talk like the world. I want my life to be a light. When somebody's in trouble, they can see that there's a difference in them. There's something different about them. I want my life to be a voice of the holy God that I serve. God cannot use me as a vessel if I am unholy because he is a holy God. And as I said last week, when you are called by God and you are chosen by God and you have been set apart from this world, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost and you've repented of your sin, you have been separated and God has called you for His purpose. And when God calls you and God moves on you and God changes you, He sets you apart because you are His. And in the, t- in the temple, everything that was called of God, that was God's, was used for a purpose. And it wasn't a purpose to fulfill the lust of the flesh. It wasn't, it wasn't to do what they wanted to do. They couldn't drink holy communion out of it one day and drink wine out of it the next day. It was set apart for a purpose unto God. T.O.P., you are called out for a purpose. You are called out different because you are God's vessel. God has chosen you. You cannot keep putting the world in you and expect to be used by God the way I know that you want God to use you. Now, just a quick, uh, quick look through the New Testament reveals that it is full of scriptures that are unique commands in specific calling for personal holiness. There's a ton of them. They're going to flow through them. I'm not going to try to uh, talk about all of them because i got a lot to cover in a short time to get there. First Peter 2 and 11. Abstain from fleshly lust that war against you. The spirit and the soul. The spirit, as Brother Arnell talked about the other day, I believe, this stuff that this, this, the spirit in you is pushing you to let some stuff go, but your, your flesh is holding on to it. Folks, if God has told you to give up something for Him, just do it. Because the bad, that's all the bad. Everything you're wanting to hold on to, God's trying to take. Can I tell you that God's going to get it away from you at some point in time? That you're going to let it go at some point in time? Why not do it as soon as God says do it? And don't have to fight the battles that we have to fight. Romans 8.13 says, mortify the deeds of the body. Romans 13.14 says, make not provision for the lust, for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. Listen, folks, don't go where you shouldn't go. Now listen, I, I don't go to a bar to witness to somebody. 
because God called me out of that. I don't listen to hard Christian rock music because God called me out of deep rock music. You see, I understand. I got some guardrails in my life that I'm not going beyond this. Amen. Sister Janet uh, 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 Huff, she used to, she was, God delivered her from alcohol and she would never walk down the aisle past the alcohol in a grocery store. Why? Because she never put herself in a place for the enemy to start knocking on her heart and on her mind one more time. Stop making provisions for the flesh. Stop making excuses. I'm trying to go back on keto, but I keep making excuses. I got to do this. I got to quit making that excuse and just do it. Don't put yourself in a place for the enemy to come start knocking on you again to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, if you have a problem with pornography and you have a problem with watching some stuff you shouldn't watch or dabbling in some stuff on the internet that you shouldn't be dabbling with, what you need to do is go get covenant eyes and get a career and get a partner, accountability partner. Why? Because you don't want to put anything in your hands that will give your flesh an opportunity to fall and to sin against God. I have that for my whole family. My daughter the other day was trying to get on a uh, school website for college and she's like, Dad, this thing blocks even the school, uh, the school Wi-Fi. It won't let me join it. I was like, good. Because I don't know what's going to cross that junk. But see, folks, accountability. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Not accountability to myself, but accountability to each other and accountability to God. Amen? I don't want to ever put something, uh, make a provision for my flesh to fulfill the lust. Because this right here, this is no good. This is just flesh. It does everything this wants to does pretty much is, is against what God the Spirit is saying to us. Love not the world. John 2.15, love not the world, neither things of the world. Now listen, folks, we all can testify about that. We all can sit here and say, you know what, I, I like some things. I do. I have hobbies. I like hunting. I like RV and I like the Cowboys. I like all that. But none of that stuff is more important to me. I will, I, well, I wouldn't say never because when we go to the Super Bowl this year, it's going to be on a Sunday and I'm probably going to miss church because go to the Super Bowl. But anyway, uh, prophesying there. We, we should never, ever, ever Put things of this world before God. Amen? Because God is the most important thing in our lives. And the enemy can use stuff. The world. Joyful things. To cause us to separate ourselves from God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 says, Put off the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. When you get baptized and you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you've repented of your sins, you are a new man. You are a new creature. The old things died. The old things are still there. Now we still battle getting rid of some of those things in our lives and it still takes a little bit of time but we have to make up our mind I'm not going to give in to that anymore. Amen? 
Ephesians 4.24 says, put on the new man. Philippians uh, 4.8 says, look on these things. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, what? True? Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, think on these things. That's what we should be thinking about, Brother Arnell. That's what we should be driving. If somebody comes up to you and they start talking about a brother or a sister, you need to put your hand up and say, stop, uh, my ears aren't garbage cans. I'm not going to listen to that. Why? Because then the enemy will start to do things in you and in other people. Think on these things, these things, the good things. Man, our church was good today. God was good to us today. God showed up today. Brother Bailey did a great job leading song service. Brother Kevin was amazing on the drums. Think on these things. Think about what God did in the house, but also think about the good things that God is doing in your life. Thank God I'm not where I was a few years ago. Thank God I am where I am today, but I'm not going to get comfortable here because I want to go deeper in God. I want to go higher in God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, stand, having the breastplate of righteousness. 1 Corinthians, Romans, James, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, let us, let us, everybody say us, cleanse, cleanse ourselves, cleanse ourselves. From the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Don't look for the preacher to do it. Don't look for the youth leader to do it. Don't look for the elders to do it. Cleanse yourself. Get in the word for yourself. Get into the word of God and dig it out for yourself. You don't have, pastor, should I go here? Listen, if you got to ask, you pretty much already know the answer. But you get my point? Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness. 1 Peter 2, 1, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrites, envies, and all evil speaking. Uh, Verse 2, and as newborn babies desire sincere milk of the word that ye may grow by therein. If you don't read this. You're never going to grow. You can't grow on Sunday and Wednesday church service only. Tuesday night connect group is important. You need to be there. Why? Because we're discovering and discussing the word of God. Because if you're not getting in the word of God and you aren't reading the word of God, you aren't growing. The text we read in 1 Peter is a cross-reference from the book of Leviticus chapter 11, 44, 19, 2, and 20, verse 7. Now listen, despite the fact that the world wants to scoff at it, and most churches today are walking away from it, I must tell you today that, high, that holiness is still a high priority with God. And if it is a priority with God, then it most definitely should be a priority with His church. 
and that is you and I. Amen? A few days ago, I'm trying to rush through this. A few days ago, I looked up some of the bestseller books on the Christian market today. Much of those books were oriented towards financial responsibility, how to, how to better manage your money, how to do all that. Let me tell you, the first way to manage your money is pay your tithes and your offerings. That's number one. That's the best way. Now listen, there is a difference between tithing and offering, amen? Tithing is God. That's just like you're paying your bill. But offerings, that's what you're saying God has blessed you with. And if you've only given God a dollar in the offering plate today, you're really telling God, God, you only blessed me a dollar's worth of blessings this week. The offerings come from your heart. That's why the Bible says a free will offering. God loveth a cheerful giver. It comes from your heart. It comes from your uh, love towards God and your thankfulness to God that God has blessed you. Has God blessed anybody here today? Amen. Amen. So anyway, that's the best way to get on, on, on track to, to financial responsibility. Uh, healing hurts and emotional hurts and managing nev uh, negative emotions, gaining. Now listen, I, I just read you a ton of scriptures that already kind of deal with some of that stuff. Gaining acceptance in the world by not being so strident in our views and our beliefs. And that is a pit, that's a lie from the pit of hell. If the world, and that's what the world is trying to do. It is trying to get us to get into this mindset that everybody's okay. Everything's all right. As long as we love one another, we're all going to make it to heaven. Baby, I got news for you. If you're not baptized in Jesus' name, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, if you've not repented of your sin, and you died today, you would not make it to heaven. That's what the Bible says. It's not what pastor says. It's what the Word of God says. And the world is trying to get us to co-mingle so much together that we are losing sight of what the Bible says versus what the world says. And I'm not saying you go out here and tell everybody you see you're going to go to hell if you don't do this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you've got to go out and be sensible and use your mind and use your heart, but let God speak through you. We've got to get understanding from the Scripture first, and we've got to get understanding from God first, but we cannot be so commingled with the world that we forget what the Word says. Emotional, gaining acceptance. The largest genre of books that we found out there is having to do that I found from doing my research is fulfilling dreams with God's help. Fulfilling my dream with God's help. How do I fulfill my dream with God's help? How about we feel God's dream or what God wants in our life with our help. Let's not ask God to help us do what we want to do, but let's ask God to help us do what He wants us to do. You see, the world has got it so twisted. They want God to help them do whatever they want to do. Not what God wants to do. We need to say, God... Help me be what you want me to be. Now listen, here are some things I did not find. 
I did not find any books on how to be holy. I did not find any books on how to be separate from the world. I didn't find any books that were instructive on prayer. I did not find any books on cross-bearing and sacrifice. Let me tell you something. You can't live for God without sacrificing something. Something has to be given up to live for God. You've got to sacrifice some stuff. When I came to church, y'all know it. Y'all have heard the story. The drugs, the alcohol, all of that stuff. I, I didn't even come to the altar. I stayed at the back row. God refilled me the Holy Ghost. God took the drugs away. God took the alcohol away. But I still struggled with smoking. I smoked for a few months after that. And I was in prayer after my wife gave me a big bag of starlet mints. I just switched addictions. But Brother Post, it wasn't until like five or six years ago. I've been pastoring 11 years. It wasn't until like five or six years ago that that taste for that cigarette left my body after I got done eating. It was still there. But there's something inside me that hey, you can't do that. Because you know what that came from? That came from prayer. And I was praying, God, why? You took the drugs away, God. You took the alcohol away, God. You took all this other stuff out of my wife instantly, God. Why this? And God said, what are you going to give up for me? What are you going to give up for me? You see, God will take you so far. God will deliver you from so much stuff. But then he's going to draw a line. And he's going to speak to you and say, what are you willing to give up for me? What are you willing to lay aside for me? What are you willing to sacrifice for me? You see, that's the challenge of our times. It's finding an atmosphere that encourages holiness to develop in our lives. You will discover that you will have to seek out places that encourage your mind and your heart to pursue a higher level of commitment with God. You see, I tell all of our kids when they go off to college or they move on, if they go to a church that has a lower standard than what we have here, they are not to lower their standards just because that church does. They keep the standards that they've known and they've grown and they've grown up with and they, they know this is what you're supposed to do. You don't go down. But if you go to a church that has a higher standard than what we have here, then you go higher. You go higher. Why? Because I want to get closer to God. I want to I be where God wants me to be. I want to go higher. Now listen, we all have personal responsibilities and personal accountabilities. In my personal life, I am accountable to my wife, my children, my parents who are no longer here, and to my in-laws. But my priority of holiness does not evolve around any of them. I am ultimately accountable to God for my holiness stance and for what I believe God is calling me and my family to do in this church to be. I am responsible to God and God alone. As I said, this is the first time in 11 years I've ever talked about holiness 
on a Sunday morning. We talk about it in journey class. You want to go in a little more in depth on it? Get in the in journey class. Go in there with Brother Arnell. We'll get into this, some a lot of the standards and things we do at our church. I've never really preached this stuff on a Sunday morning, but God just could not, just would not let it get away from me. Because we are living in such an unholy world that it is creeping into our spirits. And I have a responsibility to God for what I preach behind this pulpit. I heard one pastor say to his 30-something-year-old son, I heard one pastor who said that his 30-year-old son went to him as he got older. He said, Dad, don't mess up. Now, this pastor has lived his life long under the mantle of holiness and faithfulness to God. But Satan is very deceptive and can derail those who are not vigilant about their walk with God. This man's son was encouraging his father to continue to live out a life of holiness and, and godliness even to his grave. I've said that story to tell you this. We must understand that the priority of holiness becomes much higher the longer we live for God. The longer we serve God, the more cautious we have to be to hold the mantle of holiness. Pastor, why? Why are you saying that? Because we get comfortable. We get comfortable with where we are in God. We know that we've come this far and I've done this and I've done that and I've acted this way. We've got all of this and I'm comfortable right where I'm at. And if we are not guarding ourselves, we will start letting some things go. The longer we live for God, the more awareness or the more awareness we have got to have regarding our personal holiness. You will never discover the battlefield for holiness. You will never win victory for the battlefield of holiness until you defeat it from within side. Holiness begins here. It begins in our heart. It begins in our spirit of wanting to please God. We will never be holy on the outside until we fight the battle from within first. And then when we defeat that and we defeat our flesh and our fleshly desires, we will win the battle on the outside. Holiness is not a, a, a cultural battle. Although the world does not promote it in any type of holiness in any form. Holiness is not a political battle. As we are realizing, if you look at our nation, it's becoming harder and harder to tell our nation is a Christian nation. Holiness is not a denominational battle. As you have know, as you, I am sure you have seen on Facebook, has blown the cover off of those who profess to be holy, but have never truly possessed it. Now listen, holiness is not a form of behavior modification. We don't become holy because we're apostolic. We don't change our behavior because of being an apostolic. Amen? It is not a form of behavior modification. It is the priority of a Christian who is pursuing to live for God with every part of their being and making sure Christ is at the center of 
our life. It's nothing else other than that, Brother Arnell. It's all about living for God and making God the center of our life. The battle for personal holiness comes from within the heart of every man and every woman. We must be determined to pursue and to seek after a relationship with God. And I'm getting ready to close. Conscience in the call to holiness. Paul in the conscience. If you'll turn with me to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, chapter 1 verse 12. I'm going to read it from two translations. I'm going to read it from the King James and then I'm going to read it from the Moffat. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. In a sub, in that in simplicity, in godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you, word. The Moffat translation, translation says it this way. My proud boast is the testimony of my conscience that holiness and godly sincerity, not worldly cunning, but the grace of God have marked my conduct in the outside world and in my, in particular, my relations with you. This passage in 2 Corinthians introduces us to the word conscience. You have to win the battle for holiness on the inside. But if you, if you don't win the battle on the inside, you will lose every battle on the outside. The stronger your conscience is, the more productive your battle on holiness will be. I have found the following quotes in a book that I have at home, and I was reading it last night. Let not a man think he makes any progress in holiness while he walks not over the bellies of his lusts. If you want to kill sin, load your conscience with the guilt of it. It is better to be a pattern of holiness than to be a partner with wickedness. It is better to go to heaven with a few than to go to hell with the crowd. Don't allow the crowd to dictate your holiness to God or your walk with God. We must walk an opposite course of the men and women of this world. They are looking for something so much different. And folks, you and I have it. His name is Jesus. We must not walk the same course that this world walks. We must walk the course that the Word says we should walk. The conscience is a God-given gift. Did you know that? We must call carefully consider and cultivate it. Far too many people play with and mock their conscience until they're so sticky that it can't even produce wrongdoing. In 1984, a Boeing 707 crashed into the mountainside of Spain. The black box recorder brought an amazing discovery. Several minutes before the airliner crashed, the flight recorder captured the voice of an electronic warning given to the pilots. 
the message was to adjust the flight pattern due to an obstacle in the path. After the alarm continued to go off, the pilot finally ordered it to be turned off. The warning voice was silence, and all the lives were lost. This is how, this is how far too many of us treat our conscience. We turn off the information and we make a shipwreck of our soul. There is no way around the warning signs that a conscience gives you. If you ignore it, then you will hit the mountain. The conscience is a tremendous gift of God and it plays a vital part in our lives to live a holy walk with God. It tells us when we are on a path to shipwreck. It is a great gift of pain. It's like the, it's like the gift of pain. The mechanism tells us that something is not right in our body. This is the dilemma of leprosy. The nerve endings become so desensitized that you get to a place of being desensitized. You cannot feel a thing. So the limbs are injured and destroyed because pain is no longer felt. If you'll stand. Paul wrote to the Romans about the matter of conscience. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. For when the Gentiles have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts to mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Folks, our conscience either indicts or exonderates. Excusing or accusing. You see, our conscience is the soul's warning signal. It works best when it's filled with the Spirit and with the Word. The conscience has a bully effect in your life. It is awakened by low living and spiritual wickedness. It can be the most relentless, disturbing enemy of any sinning soul. Or it can be your truest friend and the truest comforter. This is the power of a holy heart that has a conscience that has been touched by God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and hand lifted. Holiness begins within the heart. The pursuit of holiness is not fixed on the outside, but rather the purpose of God, but rather to pursue God. And the closer we get to God, the more we are going to be transformed into Him. Folks, the evidence of a sinful society is trying to make the church sinful. And sinful leaders is due to a faulty functioning of the conscience. We've gotten it backward in our days. The conscience has gotten so sick that it has redefined sin. Disease, antisocial behavior, the lack of moral development have replaced the concept of sin. 
if we call sin, sin, we're either labeled far right. I don't know the word now, but we're just labeled. It's a, it is now common to hear people say that they have had an affair instead of calling it what it is, adultery. Personal choice is now a new thing. It's my personal choice. It's my personal desire to achieve instead of God's approval. Our conscience has built into every soul, both the converted and the unconverted. My prayer today is that I have spoken with a little bit of wisdom in this pulpit and I've tried to wake your conscience and I've tried to get you to be aware of where you are in your walk with God. Folks, when you live by a set of rules, that's legalism. But when you separate yourself from this world, and you don't dress like this world, and you don't act like this world, and you don't talk like this world, it is not legalism. It is, I'm pursuing something higher than what's on this world. Lord, we love you and we thank you today, Jesus. God, I've tried to deliver your word in a way, God, that's not offensive. God, I've tried to deliver your word today, God, to get us into a place, God, where we will let our conscience, we will let the alarm of our internal soul go off in this place this morning. God, I love this church and I love these people. But God, I love you so much more. God, you have called us out to be different. God, you have called us out and you have separated us to do the work for you. This altar is open. And if you would just want to give yourself wholly over to God today, why don't you come? If you just want to give God a little bit more of you, just come. There's no judgment here. Nobody here is saying anybody's sinning.